and welcome back to This Is Our Story. Uh, you are joined by me, Kieran, and once again by my sister, Briar. Hello. Hello. Oh, hello to you, Briar. And how are you doing on this? Well, for us, is a fine evening. For me, on this side of the Tasman, it's a nice, <laughs> nice warm evening. How's it doing? It's, it's actually nice here too. Very nice and mild. Well, if you've just joined us, if you've just joined us, just a quick summary of what we have covered so far in our first couple of episodes. So in the first episode, we talked about our early years growing up in Kaikohe. We covered some of the topics of growing up in a little kind of country town and being surrounded by uh, a very interesting mix of people of different backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds and such. And um, we talked a little bit about how that affected us and a little bit about how our background of or understanding of race, etc., affected what you know how we grew up later on. And in our second episode, we covered our move to Kitty Kitty, slightly breezed over it, some of our early school years as well. And we kind of finished off talking a bit about our time at Kitty Kitty Christian School, which was a, a tiny, tiny Christian school of a, approximately about 60 students, I think, when we first joined. And we talked a little bit about the curriculum system there and how kind of crazy it was and how Christian, Christian-ified. I just made that up. <laughs> should probably write that down. Uh, <laughs> just to how kind of crazy it was in that respect. And uh, that was about where we left off about and we're about to kind of get into the topic of growing up in our church, which uh, was a very central part of our lives as a, um, or as a, a central part of our family is what I was trying to say. However, I mean, that's a big, deep topic. But before we get into that, we are introducing a segment uh, called, for lack of a better, <laughs> for lack of a better title, story time. And we are going to just kind of cover some some things before we get into the, the dark and heavy stuff. Just share some stories or memories from our childhood or just from our lives in general that were just kind of entertaining or just kind of fun. Just to keep things light. And uh, I mean, the purpose of this play, of this podcast in the very beginning was to help us kind of remember stories from our youth and, and kind of enjoy remembering the past and so it's nice to kind of talk about those fun things and we do have a lot of those type of stories to tell um anyway so the topic of this particular story time was or is pastimes the things that we got up to when we were young i mean there are plenty to share here but i've chosen one from for myself in particular and and brian has as well so i'm going to get brian do you want to just share a little bit about what your pastimes were growing up and we're kind of focusing i suppose at the moment on our kind of teenage years in particular well, to be honest, most of my spare time was spent with my horses that I had. So I was, so I didn't have many, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have so many friends and none of them were horsey. So a lot of my spare time was spent riding on the farm, which was like a big love of mine, obviously. I used to ride uh, from our farm onto the back of a neighbor's farm to the pony club because, you know, our parents couldn't afford to have a float to take me to pony club. So that was um, a good half hour ride, but I loved it. I absolutely loved going there. But the rest of my time, I did have a, a best friend who maybe we'll introduce at some point. We met when we first started the Christian school. I, if I remember correctly, mm. uh, we both, our first day was the same. 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, first day, and I was nine when I met her, and we're still friends to this day. But we spent a lot of time together uh, at her place mostly. Well, it was just around she the corner. A, yeah, she had a a big family. There was five of the kids, and yeah, so I spent a lot of my time there. And we had um, such vivid imaginations. We spent a lot of time writing stories and dressing up. And back then, when there was, I think it was a like a VHS videotape we used to record ourselves pretending to be like American news reporters or I remember oh my god I I remember very um, clearly the American accent yes and she was obsessed with it her brother her younger brother was actually quite tech savvy so he was I don't know if he edited it or what but he anyway got it to the computer for us but I wish to this day that we could go back and revisit those videos but of course they they don't exist anymore because they, it would have been on a floppy disk or something, you know, back in the early 90s mm-hmm. when that was a thing. So we spent a lot of time doing that. We used to walk up and down her road and pretend like we were part of this, uh, what do you call it, like sort of reality that didn't exist. Like we were talking about people that we didn't know and, oh, did you hear the latest gossip? So-and-so is mm-hmm. pregnant now. And um, I do. I remember um, things was fairly common knowledge at the time, but I had a bit of a, a crush on it because I, because she was so creative and I was also very creative, very creative. at that time. And so we had this kind of um, <laughs> quote unquote connection. Um, at least I thought so. Um, Cause I, and, and while she was kind of imagining stories, I was writing them as well. I remember we used to write stories and swap them for each other to read. And I was always trying to be impressive with my stories. My, my stories probably had a little bit more gore than hers. Well, ours was <laughs> And she, much. she had a natural gift for stories. Um, whereas I was just kind of probably more up in the clouds. Well, ours was, I don't know where we got these ideas from because neither of our families had TV. So it's not like we watched, American TV programs, but our story was based around uh, Calvin High, where we went to this mm-hmm. high school. So we literally would talk as if we were these characters. We had different names and like just made the craziest shit up. Um, <laughs> and again, those stories, they were all handwritten, so they'd be somewhere. I'd love to read through it again, but we I, always thought I, I remember because we I wrote a story as well that was about. It was a uh, something French. I don't know if you remember that. There was a it was a French title or something, and I put all of us in the story, and it was quite funny. So I, I remember trying to be entertaining quite a lot, and I I really wanted to <laughs> impress her with my entertaining qualities. I do remember that. <laughs> well, it'll uh, be interesting to get her take on that. Maybe we'll yeah, have to well, mm. call her and <laughs> and tell her all this. Mm. Might be news to her. Well, because while you guys were creating stories like that. I was actually doing the same, but in a very different way. I don't know if you remember, I used to create, I had a, a cassette player, an old cassette player where I could record. Oh, yes. Yeah, and I would and re- record these these stories or imaginative, um, I don't know, monologues or dialogues, depending on whether I could get a friend involved or not, with, with these <laughs> crazy character names like Colonel Waxen Ear and... <laughs> Um, that's the only one I can remember because that's the one mum always reminds me about. And I don't remember the other ones, but they're always kind of really clever, um, ridiculous names of these in, in these characters. But they would be doing all sorts of things like go, having war, um, war games and spies and just lots of shooting and stuff with sound effects included. I, I do actually have a, a memory of you and your friend Daniel sitting on the swing ch- chair that we had outside at our house in Pakaraka and you were sitting there with your 
Did you have a, a microphone or was it just straight into the cassette player? No, no, it was, it was just one of those big, massive cassette players where yeah. we had like a microphone built in. And you were sat there swinging on the chair, laughing and doing your stories together. Oh, it was, we had a great time. We, we thought it was, was hilarious. I don't know if it was actually funny to anybody else. but <laughs> How funny would it be, though, to go back and oh. listen to those? Yeah, because I think you had them after I left home, those tapes. Because mum used to tell me how you used to listen to them when I left for university. <laughs> <laughs> cringy <laughs> <laughs> and she used to tell me about how much you missed me after i left home and you would just sit in your room and listen her, to her tapes. words not mine <laughs> <laughs> never Surely admit i didn't things. miss you <laughs> <laughs> uh but i mean in terms of pastimes my other because i also i didn't have many friends either but i mean that was just the nature of growing up in um you know a small town in a and very also I think small because we lived rurally as well probably yeah, you know a lot no, of our friends lived in town so it was too yeah, far yeah it was quite a, a mission for them to come out to us in distance wise like in terms of where i live now or the places i've lived in the, since oh, then it it, it's nothing it's like 10 minutes to to town <laughs> but back then it's basically the middle of nowhere no one would want to drive out there no. or but, no one's mum would want to play taxi to go all no there. no <laughs> Well, I mean, I yeah. So yeah, I spent a lot of time entertaining myself. There was a lot of books, of course, that I read. There were Commando, the War Commando comics, which I still have actually. Oh, we actually do you remember we used to have a subscription every month. Yeah. You had the war ones, and I always chose a horsey magazine. And when we'd go into town, we'd go to the bookshop and we'd collect our magazine or comic yeah, book from that month. Yeah, I had hundreds month. of them, and yeah. I sold a couple of boxes. I still have two boxes of them that um, that are stored currently in New Zealand. So. I just can't bring myself to, to part with them. I mean, Probably I don't know what to do with them. Probably quite some value now. Oh, I've tried. Not really. <laughs> give, it, <laughs> give it another 20 years, maybe. Um, yeah, well, I think that's what I'm holding on for. Like, I'll hold on to them until they're worth something. Uh, but, yeah, probably nothing, really. But what I, what I would often do is just take my air rifle. The, the house that we were in, we didn't own it. We were just renting it. And I described this house a little bit in uh the the promo for this podcast but uh, uh, you know we we're on a, a it was an old a big house it was, it was a two-story house with five bedrooms six six bedrooms yeah, three um and it was a it was a farmhouse i don't know if, I don't know if that <laughs> makes it any easier to imagine well, it but it was big it's described as a homestead yeah it was, it was yeah. quite an old home like a almost like a historic landmark for the area mm-hmm. uh had a big section like about an acre of lawn and gardens and and around that there was another there are another few acres which, which had uh, animals including Bryce horses uh, but that that small lifestyle block kind of sat on hu- uh, hundreds of acres that were surrounding that we kind of had free access to as kids at some point somebody asked somebody if we were allowed and I think I felt like I took a little bit of license there. Back in the day though I guess you know we were just a couple of kids roaming on the yeah, farm no. it wasn't a big deal like you know, nowadays people would be like, get off our property. But, you know, yeah. no one really cared. We weren't doing any harm. I mean, they probably should have, to be honest. I mean, mm. the fact I was just literally wandering off on my own with an air rifle that, as air rifles go, was kind of powerful and it could have definitely could have hurt a person. <laughs> <laughs> I had quite a lot of day, misadventures with that particular, particular rifle. So, it, yeah, it belonged to the owners of the house and they had just said that I could use it. Uh, and so I, I would go off and then just shoot stuff. <laughs> Or kind of almost anything that crossed my path, like Including to, my, my, uh, to my embarrassment, I I did shoot cows because <laughs> I would ha- I would have these imaginary battles in my mind, right? And I, I, all the cows were the enemy, of course, trying to get me. And 
uh, unsurprisingly, they didn't like this and would try and come closer. And of course, that would get me all even more excited trying to shoot them and <laughs> stave them off. Ah! <laughs> get rid of the enemy! <laughs> but it was just yeah, little one man pallets, army, so wasn't it? But yeah, it was. They were metal pallets, so like the pointed ones normally. So they, they would have hurt. They would have stung for sure. Um, yeah, kids don't try this at home. Probably and could, you yeah, definitely could got in trouble for for well, aiming from the at, deck. At one point, because, I mean, this was a long time after I'd been using the air rifle for all sorts of things I shouldn't have been doing because mum wasn't aware, uh, like, you know, shooting birds and just shooting stuff without taking, like, I had no training on what was proper use <laughs> or, or not. Uh, and at one point, I shot down range on the lawn. I We had a possum trap on the lawn and I shot it from the other end of the lawn and our border at the time, remember Clayton, he yeah. was, he was just sitting there cause the, the, the possum trap was, I don't know, about three meters away from the stairs to the, the deck. <laughs> and I shot the, <laughs> I shot it and he was like, what the hell? <laughs> Have a real fright. And he reported, he, he told on me basically. <laughs> and then um, the air rifle went away never to be seen again. Oh, was um, that what happened yeah, to it? <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, I, I mean, I definitely snuck it out. I mean, we we spent so much time at home with our mum and dad around when they were at work. So, I mean, what were they going to do? <laughs> and no friends. No what? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I spent a lot of time just exploring the farm, um, for hours and hours on end, catching eels in the creek and just doing lots of walks all over the place. Uh, yeah i don't know I, I got to know the place pretty well and uh yeah i mean there were other pastimes i had as well like sport and played played soccer for all of my teenage years but yeah most of the time i probably spent on my own to be honest but i think also because we had a, a big house lots of our friends who were what we'd call townies they were like whoa like you've got such a cool house so we did have like you know occasional weekends where like a whole bunch of friends probably most of them were just you know people that were friends of friends to be honest like none of them were really our close friends but we loved hosting people yeah. and we had a massive house so we would just have big sleepovers with all these people and I don't know how mum and dad tolerated it to be honest because like there was a lot of us sometimes and probably quite rowdy and yeah. all sleeping in the lounge well, I mean, this is probably a good time to really segue into our conversation about church because most of the people that came over were involved in our church or yeah. school at the very least. Like most of my well, – all of my friends came from that church slash school circle. And as we explained last time, right, the school was a part of the church, so it was kind of hard to separate the two. And but, it was also what mum and dad allowed. They were the – the people that they yes. agreed that we could hang out with. It wasn't, you know, a random selection of people. It was. I mean, we, we didn't know. They were so kind I of no fettered, idea. weren't they? <laughs> every, every now and then we would meet other people outside of our church circle, like maybe people from other churches or, or people who were kind place. of in church but kind of weren't. And, and I think also, as I mentioned last time, my best friend Oliver, right, we, we drifted apart because he wasn't in that church circle. They were from – an Anglican church, they were, I, I yeah, believe. English. They were English, and yeah, I think they were. Yeah. I think they were And they, they were just very different, very kind of traditional, and, and, and it wasn't really, it wasn't our family's vibe, and we just drifted apart. Mm. Uh, 
But yeah, I guess maybe we could just take some time to describe the church that we went to, which became such a big part of our lives. It was an Assemblies of God church. And I don't know, looking back, maybe a couple of hundred people at at its Mm. height. Yeah. Not that wasn't a kind of consistent number through the, the years that we were there, but between 100 and 200, I would say quite consistently. And Assemblies of God is kind of more of on the evangelical, um, if you're talking about on the slide of <laughs> the slider of Christianity, you know, versus traditional versus liberal, we're kind of swaying more across to the, the left, I suppose, on the liberal yeah. side of Christianity a little bit more. The music was supposed to be a little bit more fun and it was still in the 90s and the early mm. 2000s that we're talking about. So it wasn't crazy or anything but it was generally a little bit more fun than say a traditional ritualized church Ooh. service um there was you know the whole thing about speaking in tongues and praying and doing your worship songs uh, that was very much a part of what this church was like but i mean i don't know about you but i i didn't get anything out, out of it for the first few years because we were just dragged along and we would just hang out with no, with our yeah. friends. So It was more of a about. social thing for us because we didn't have, you know, there was people, a lot of the friends we made through church, they didn't go to the same school. So that was our chance to catch up with, you know, the likes of, you know, Rachel and stuff who didn't go to the school. So that was kind of probably more for us social. And when we were younger, we went to, um sunday school which i think goes up till the age of 12 maybe Mm. maybe maybe a bit younger and the best part about that was being able to leave when the sermon started to be honest and secondly they gave us cordial and arrowroot biscuits with butter on so that's that's what i was living for but um the first part of the service was always the singing part and i remember you know mum telling me to get up stand up like I was not allowed to sit during the singing and she would grab me under the arm and make me stand up and I had I had to sing I couldn't just stand up I had to sing well because mum and dad both pride themselves on 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 basically singing the loudest (laughs) yes very loud and actually yeah it's embarrassing when you're that age and everyone's like oh i heard i heard you singing from across the the way and And mum and dad loved that and i'm like oh my god it's exactly the opposite feeling yes but i used to hate that that it was forced so i think i probably rebelled against that a bit Um, i remember playing basically in the back playing underneath the chairs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. trying to hide beneath the jazz and then adults coming over and telling us off and you know it's always the worst when someone else There's, another yes. adult in church comes and tells you off <laughs> very embarrassing for mum well I, I remember sitting under the chairs too with Rosie a friend of mine who used to eat crackers <laughs> and I'd sit with her under the chairs and she'd be crunching really loudly her crackers mm-hmm. through, the, through the service usually the, the, the other thing part. I remembered was having to well we'd go into the the so what the back room when there was no Sunday school program, usually yeah. at the the evening services for church, and we'd end up watching Anne of Green Gables or yes. <laughs> Chitty Chitty Bang Bang <laughs> or Sound of Music. On the, on the oh TV my god! Like those wheels. movies are basically <laughs> ruined for me because there were only about three or four movies that they owned at the church, and it was just the same ones every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the church uh, video or VHS library was very small. 
I think probably things changed for me when I started playing drums at church, which I think was around about the age of 14, maybe approximately. Um, so I showed an interest in music already as when I was quite young. I had started singing why well, I liked singing, um, you know, at school events and stuff. I don't really remember how that happened. It just I remember people saying that I could sing when I was at primary school and I don't, that didn't mean anything to me. But then uh, when I started, when we went, started going to the Christian school, uh, I was doing a bit more music then. Um, I don't remember how it began, but I just, I remember I joined the music team as a drummer and yeah, it just meant that I was around church a lot more for practices and it just meant I had to be responsible, uh, which is, is weird because I'm still, still young, but then all of a sudden it's like you have this responsibility to kind of help a bunch of adults get into church, <laughs> enjoy <laughs> church a bit more. It's a bit of a, a strange, it's a bit of a strange scenario, really. But it kind of made me feel a bit important, I remember, at the time. And especially when people would come up and can say how well I'd done. But then at the same thing, at the same time, it was also, there were some really kind of old traditional people there who were really against what I was doing. Like, this is the well, weird thing about Christianity. Right? Because, it's... yeah, drumming. So mm. drumming was very controversial the back devil. in the 90s. <laughs> and, and, and older, people who grew up in the 80s and 90s, um, ch uh, church movements were very against drums because they were, supposedly reminiscent of um, witchcraft or, you know, witch doctors banging away on their drums. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, it's ridiculous now in hindsight, but I suppose that you can kind of understand if you put yourself in that context of what they're thinking, but... Just people that nah, weren't ready for change, they just need, right? They just need just... to fucking loosen up. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't know how to have a good time. Yeah, some very respected members of the church community actually had came up to me. I was just a kid saying that they didn't they thought that I um I was good at it, but I probably shouldn't be doing it in church. <laughs> I do remember that very vividly. Ridiculous, yeah. really. Yeah. Cuz you wouldn't um, have had any concept of that either. You you know, somebody would have just said, "Oh, you you're a good drummer. Do you want to be be part of the team?" So Yeah. I mean, I So didn't to, know how to go up to say that to a child is kind of like at that age too. Yeah. When you're quite impressionable and well, I was just lucky I stayed in it to be honest. Mm. But I think it must have been around that time that we got involved in the youth group and I don't know if there was a youth group before that. No, there wasn't. It started I, I guess they noticed there was a need for it because there was lots of families started maybe who had kids around when, that the, age. The, the church was going through a bit of a growth phase I think. Mm. Through those years and yeah, they they had an, a need to kind of cater to the the needs of the young people, whatever whatever that mm. is, which sounds ridiculous. But it's one of those things that successful growing churches are supposed to have. You know, they're supposed to have a youth a youth. And, and when you know when you're that age, actually, it was kind of fun because they made it. Although yes, it had an un, undercurrent of doing sort of Christian things. You know, we would. We'd also arranged to do fun things on a Friday night, so it was again well, I mean, I, chance to socialise. I don't I personally, I don't rem remember much of those early years of youth group. It became a really big part of our lives uh, for me, especially I think because that's where I made my friends, my closest friends. But I don't remember doing a lot of fun stuff. Well, I <laughs> so obviously you being a bit older, you were able to join earlier than me because I think it was from age twelve. Mm. So I remember being like. Um, jealous of you going to youth group because it was on a Friday night but I know when I started some of my earliest memories was 
it being absolute chaos, like us running around the church. Oh, yeah, it was like um, games and stuff, right? Yeah, games, like games. fun stuff like that. And then we even had a sleepover at the church. We oh, put, yes, all, the, put all the chairs yep. together, those old yeah. school chairs, and put our yep. sleeping bags on it. And, you know, I think, it, again, it was just like the social aspect of it was fun. It was fun being around your friends and mucking around. and Yeah, it was, it was it, a it good time. It wasn't so serious at that point in terms of, you know, later on was when we did more, you know, we'd go to other churches and Stuff, yeah, like. I mean, we, when we got into our mid-teen years, I think it was it became more serious in terms of the messaging and mm. our I think they'd reeled us in with the fun games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, that's what youth group is, let's be honest. Um, but, you know, our youth pastor was very – had a very strong message and, and she had a – I mean, we respected her, but she had quite a, a, quite a tough grip on us as a group. Very, yeah. very influential. She's quite and um, intimidating. I found her intimidating. She was. I I mean, I I don't know if I found her imp- intimidating. For me, it was more respect. So I respected her more than I respected the pastor slash principal. <laughs> As we covered last time, he was both. Um, I didn't have a good relationship with him because, you know, remember he rubbed out all my work? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so screw that guy. <laughs> but the youth pastor, you know. Hopefully he's not listening. I don't know. I, I just respected her a lot more i mean i th- i found myself more on our level. seeking her approval because i don't know if that was respect or that i was slightly scared of her so i, I wanted to do stuff to impress and make her notice me like yeah i mean that's that's so how it works in church though with mm. with respecting leaders and and definitely a feature of much of my years at church was and I only realized this looking back and on reflection, but I was just constantly trying to, to meet somebody else's expectations of who I should be and what I should be doing. Mm. And I think our youth pastor, she was generally quite gentle in the way that she did it, uh, but she was very black and white, mm. very black well, and white in the way that she viewed um, the world and what also our behavior should be for sure. But most of the time she was quite gentle with us. Well, she was, but there was definitely another side to her. Like, I will never forget the day that she humiliated me in front of all of my friends about a private matter. And um, I remember going home. This was on a youth group camp. I remember going home to mum and just bawling my eyes out and telling her what she did. And mum was absolutely furious. And she went and had words with her. And she backed off me then. But yeah, it was. So there it was, was kind that. of an interesting their relationship there because, as we we covered briefly last time, there was a lot of blurred lines between those who had kind of authority over us because it was such a small community. That but they were also close friends with mum and dad. That, that's what that's what I'm saying. So yeah. you, you would kind of go from one bubble into the next without even realizing, mm. from mum and dad's level at least. And you know, we would go from you and I would go from having the youth pastor in that position of authority over us and the same with the, the pastor, the senior pastor. And then all of a sudden would be having lunch at their house with mum and dad <laughs> and then trying to negotiate that. But of course we were expected to treat them exactly the same. Yeah. That, that was really yeah. confusing. It is, um, yeah. And I felt like I could never switch off no. ever. Like I was always trying to do the right thing in front of them. And that's what mum and dad expected. of And us. also calling them, you know, Mr. So-and-so. It's always yeah. been that because that person was an authority, whether we were just having casual lunch at their house or whether, you know, we were at church. It was always, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Yeah. Which, like you say, it's very confusing when it's sort of that gray area. Like 
can I be myself in this relaxed environment or do I still need to be, Yeah. you know? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, like maybe we could just talk a little bit about the youth group itself and t- some of the things that we did. Cause I have some very clear memories about, you know, when you're a teenager, there are specific things that we're going through in our development and how the way that they tried to address those in youth group was quite um, awkward <laughs> to say the least. One, one, one particular big thing for, for a young person is growing up with um, learning about relationships and sex and just boys and girls in general, just learning how to negotiate those hormones and stuff. And apart from just ignoring it completely, which is often what, what took place in church, um, definitely in our, in our family, we just never, ever talked about that stuff, no. ever. <laughs> like, no. Ever. Don't even mention it. Oh, my God. Like, even body anatomy. Like, <laughs> don't even mention it. Oh, my God. And our, in terms of sex ed for us, we did have it in school, but not from did a you? person. I didn't. It was in a book. Like, you know, we, we talked about the books, the, the, the paces. Paces, mm. is that what they call them? Yeah. The, the, the books, right? In science, there was a small section about anatomy and um, the what happens. Like, it was literally a few paragraphs or a page or whatever. Uh, and, you know, as, as expected was in the test and <laughs> that was it. Like it was never, it was never expanded on by an adult. So we didn't get any education on it. And, and being a small school, we didn't have physical like biology teachers or, no. you know, it was no, literally just at all. So it was self-taught. a complete gap in our education. We were all aware of it because I don't know, but you just pick things up from people it happens at school you know, mm. people talk about things but it becomes really warped because no one really knows exactly <laughs> what like even the word like period for example some mm. of the boys would talk about periods and whispers you know they didn't want to and they were trying to figure out oh do you think if girls is it like this for girls or does this happen and oh you know what i heard the other day <laughs> <laughs> chinese whispers. it's kind of like secret secret and you don't really know what's 100 percent true and uh I remember very, very vividly, I must have been about 16, I guess, we had a a night, it was a youth night, where the girls and the guys got split up and they had to go to different places and they had all these fun activities for the boys. And when we say fun activities for boys, it's very kind of classic masculine activities, right? So boys are in church as we all know, they're supposed to fit a certain, and women, of course, but I can only speak from my side, but men are supposed to fit a certain stereotype of they, they want to get rough and dirty and um, lots of big belly laughs and silly jokes and kind of farts are funny and <laughs> jokes, you know, shit jokes and like literally and just bad jokes. I don't know, like, you know, those classic, classic stereotypes. And it's it's no different in in church. In fact, they are almost enforced because that's just the way that we we church is very gendered. Christianity is very gendered. Mm. Uh, anyway, we are split up into this into these two groups, and it was supposed to be a fun night. And then at the kind of like the the pinnacle of the night, we all ha- we sat down. This is the so the boys are at our house, um, and we all sat down in the lounge in a circle, and one of the guys was trying to very awkwardly talk about um so you know what is something what is something that you know guys of our of your age are always interested in and we're all looking at each other <laughs> blankly um 
and literally no one had an answer (laughs) or most accurately because there were some who were older than myself at that time um who would definitely have known um they just didn't want to talk about it because they felt too awkward to admit that they would have anything to do with girls and i just one of the other guys who was also a visitor um you know remember ben who was staying at our house who was like Mm -hmm. in his 20s he was like you're all liars. <laughs> it's <laughs> girls. Of course it's girls. <laughs> and we're all looking at each other. I'd never re- really thought about girls before because we didn't talk was, about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who were they going to talk about girls with? It was such a taboo topic and it was so awkward. And he tried to talk us through like what's okay um, about between boys and girls, but it meant nothing to me. And I don't remember anything that he said, to be honest. Because it was so wishy-washy and didn't really have a point. Uh, there was never any practical um, education on on anything to do with that, except that girls and boys, it was just reinforcing that we should be separated, literally separated, and also figuratively talking about how different we are. It was men are from Mars, women are from Venus. That was very much how it was through my whole church years, to be honest that guys and girls are different and anything to do with sex is bad. And you weren't yeah. even allowed in the same room alone with someone no. of the other sex. No, and, and you like very easily tell, get in trouble. Yeah. You get told on and get in big trouble. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if you remember any of those things. No, I don't, I don't really have any memories of that kind of stuff from youth group at all. But, I, I mean, I do remember at that time – you know, when you're going through puberty, having lots of crushes, but I didn't. Yeah, I mean, because I had, I had, I had, I had no as understanding. You know, I had some major crushes. <laughs> um, oh, the thing is, because I had I, no, I had all these feelings, but I had no one to talk about them with. And because you're growing up, you as you do, as you know, you you hear stuff, you hear things about about girls and about boys and what they can and can't do, and and you of course you imagine these things you can't even stop your brain from doing that it's just part of being a teenager but the the guilt that came with those thoughts was just so immense and so i guess most of my my fanciful imaginations were just pure almost purely romantic because i wanted to separate myself so so much so from the dirty (laughs) the dirty stuff that came with relationships quote unquote dirty so I probably the purest love I've ever felt in my life because it was so disassociated from anything that could be considered impure. And it really yeah. kind of mess, messed me up in terms of, of what can be expected in a relationship or how you're supposed to relate to girls when you first – those first um, stages of trying to learn to relate to a girl. And, of course, I'm talking about this as a purely heterosexual man, right? So learning how to – negotiate those first awkward steps with a girl i just did not know anything <laughs> took me years took me years to kind of figure that out and uh, years of awkwardness i should say and so that when later on when i got into my first relationship it was it was fucking it was messed up it was fucked from the beginning and it I was probably okay. you were probably set up for failure really because we Definitely. had no <laughs> tools in our kit on how to be in a relationship at all because we didn't have I, like I can't even think of any examples to give of where it was something even close to a relationship. So yeah, it was it's, it was really hard to describe in in feelings and emotions how that time was when you're 
like you know you, you talk about having a crush and um it's like what do I do with these feelings where do I go with this yeah and, yeah like it's not like you could go and talk to your your parents about it I mean I went to to Anna and talked to her and um would laugh and giggle and she'd laugh when the following week I'd have a different crush and I don't know it was a weird time to navigate these feelings when you didn't know what to do with them yeah and I, and I think we'll we'll probably expand a little bit more on these youth group years in our next episode because there's so much more to share about these teenage years um so much more uh but I guess f- I just want to finish off on a on a final anecdote on this topic um I don't know if you remember this Briar but at home we used to listen to this Christian radio station that was the only thing we were allowed to listen to, basically, um, outside of you know the Radio New Zealand broadcasts. Uh, and every every evening there would be a focus. It was a, a program called Focus on the Family, which was from mm. the US, and uh, it was basically like a thirty minute time slot every evening. And they would have oh, there was a children's show, and then they would have a, a speaker of some description who would basically a sermon. And once there was a um, a sermon about I kind of I don't even know what the topic was, but I remember we were just sitting. You and I were sitting in the lounge, and then Mum and Dad came in, and and they were like, "Oh, what the session tonight? I think this is something that we probably should listen to as a family, uh, because I think this is going to be really, it'll be really good for you to listen to. And it's it's about this guy was going to be sharing things about relationships and uh, talking about guy uh, like. Fe- girls and boys and how they relate to each other and about marriage or whatever. I can't remember specifics, but I remember that we started listening to this, this guy speak about five minutes in. He's, he talks about how he was talking about a story about how a guy had been basically preparing to get married. And he, he, he didn't use the direct words, but he was describing how this, this boy was getting really horny and <laughs> in Christian terms, and then he used a specific phrase like, on their wedding night. He just went on her like Conan. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know why I remember this. And then very quickly, very quickly, Mum was like, "Oh, I, I think that's, I think that's all we need to hear about that." <laughs> and then she switched it off, and then they walked away, and that was it. That was our sex ed. <laughs> they didn't talk to us about it. There was no explanation. I didn't understand their discomfort. Um, yeah, that was it. Uh, so <laughs> safe to say we both grew up without really knowing anything about relationships and sex. And I mean, my first first relationship, major relationship, be- became a massive part of my life. That was I was pretty much a teenager when that began. So it's no surprise that that didn't go so well. Uh, and that that's an episode on its own. But this is basically with the roots of all of that it was just so messed up that you were supposed to be everything is is within the bounds of marriage of course when you talk about relationships in a church context and that's it and we do not talk about anything before it's only after marriage and when after marriage you talk about it with your partner mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it yep and so consequently, I mean, the church has got a lot to answer for in this respect. And also, consequently, you get these people getting together, they don't know what to do. No, that's what I was just going to say. You know, the, oh, so the people you marry are people from the church who, if oh, they're, yeah. they're young, a lot of them are, nobody has a effing clue what to do and where yeah. to start. So yeah. it's no massive, surprise massive that and, a lot of them fail. Yeah, and, and we will definitely deal with this. Uh, 
when both you and I, obviously, we have, spoiler alert, but have experience with um, marriage and failing marriages as well and massive part of our lives. And I think we'll probably have to do a whole episode on the, on those chapters because there's so much to unpack, unpack there, not just for our stories, but the background as well um, that kind of, kind of pushed us into those um, situations in the first place. Mm. But I think we'll pro- we'll probably leave it there for now because we'll probably uh, we could just go on and on about this stuff. But uh, this is our sec- second episode on the kind of the middle teenage years, I guess. And there's some more ground to cover in our next episode. We'll continue on with this. Please tune in again, and um, we look forward to divulging further stories from the past with you. Then, thanks. Bye.